Chapter Two, Part Two of a Short Account of the History of Mathematics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This is a reading by Paul King, pjk.scripts.mit.edu/pkj. A short account of the history of mathematics by W. W. Rouseball. Chapter Two: The Ionian and Pythagorean Schools, 600 B.C. to 400 B.C. Part Two: The Pythagorean School. Pythagoras. Pythagoras was born at Samos about 569 B.C., perhaps of Tyrian parents, and died in 500 B.C. He was thus a contemporary of Thales. The details of his life are somewhat doubtful, but the following account is, I think, substantially correct. He studied first under Pherecydes of Syros, and then under Anaximander. By the latter he was recommended to go to Thebes, and there, or at Memphis, he spent some years. After leaving Egypt he travelled in Asia Minor, and then settled at Samos, where he gave lectures, but without much success. About 529 BC he migrated to Sicily with his mother, and with a single disciple who seems to have been the sole fruit of his labours at Samos. Thence he went to Tarentum, but very shortly moved to Croton, a Dorian colony in the south of Italy. Here the schools that he opened were crowded with an enthusiastic audience, citizens of all ranks, especially those of the upper classes, attended and even the women broke law which forbade their going to public meetings and flocked to hear him. Amongst his most attentive auditors was Theano, the young and beautiful daughter of his host Milo, who, in spite of the disparity of their ages, he married, and she wrote a biography of her husband, but unfortunately it is lost. Pythagoras was really a philosopher and moralist, but his philosophy and ethics, as we shall shortly see, rested on a mathematical basis. He divided those who attended his lectures into two classes. The listeners, or Pythagori, and the mathematicians, or Pythagoriki. In general, a listener, after passing three years as such, could be initiated into the second class, to whom alone were confided the chief discoveries of the school. Following the modern usage, I confine the use of the word Pythagoreans to the latter class. The Pythagoreans formed a brotherhood with all things in common, holding the same philosophical beliefs, engaged in the same pursuits, and bound by oath not to reveal the teaching or secrets of the school. Their food was simple, their discipline severe, and their mode of life arranged to encourage self-command, temperance, purity, and obedience. They rose before the sun, and began by recalling the events of the preceding day. Next they made a plan for the day then commencing, and finally on retiring to rest they were expected to compare their performances with this plan. One of the symbols which they used for purposes of recognition was the pentagram, sometimes also called the triple triangle. The pentagram is merely a regular re-entrant pentagon 
it was considered symbolical of health and the angles were denoted by letters of the word evea see below page thirty nine the diphthong ea being replaced by a theta it will be noticed that it consists of a single broken line a feature to which certain mystical importance was attached iamblichus to whom we owe the disclosure of this symbol tells us how a certain pythagorean while travelling fell ill at a roadside inn where he had put up for the night he was poor and sick but the landlord who was a kind-hearted fellow nursed him carefully and spared no trouble or expense to relieve his pains however in spite of all efforts the student got worse feeling that he was dying and unable to make the landlord any pecuniary recompense he asked for a board on which he inscribed the pentagram star this he gave to his host begging him to hang it up outside so that all passers-by might see it and assuring them that he would not regret his kindness as a symbol on it would ultimately shew the scholar died and was honourably buried and the board was duly exposed after a considerable time had lapsed a traveller one day riding by saw the sacred symbol dismounting he entered the inn and after hearing the story handsomely remunerated the landlord such is the anecdote which if not true is at least ben trovato the majority of those who attended the lectures of pythagoras were only listeners but his philosophy was intended to colour the whole life political and social for all of his followers in advocating self-control government by the best men in the state strict obedience to leg legally constituted authorities and an appeal to eternal principles of right and wrong he represented a view of society totally opposed to that of the democratic party of that time and thus naturally most of the brotherhood were aristocrats it had affiliated members in many of the neighbouring cities and its method of organisation and strict discipline gave it great political power but like all secret societies it was an object of suspicion to those who did not belong to it for a short time the pythagoreans triumphed but a popular revolt in 501 bc overturned the civil government and in the riots that accompanied the insurrection the mob burnt the house of milo where the students lived and killed many of the most prominent members of the school pythagoras himself escaped to tarentum and thence fled to metapontum where he was murdered in another popular outbreak in 500 B.C. Though the Pythagoreans as a political society were thus rudely broken up and deprived of their head, they seem to have re-established themselves at once as a philosophical and mathematical society, having Tarentum as their headquarters. They continued to flourish for a hundred or a hundred and fifty years after the death of their founder, but they remained to the end a secret society and were therefore ignorant of the details of their history. Pythagoras himself did not allow the use of textbooks and the assumption of his school was not only that all their knowledge was held in common and secret from the outside world, but that the glory of any fresh discovery must be referred back to their founder, 
thus hippasus circa 470 bc is said to have been drowned for violating his oath by publicly boasting that he had added the dodecahedron to the number of regular solids enumerated by pythagoras gradually as a society became more scattered it was found convenient to alter this rule and treatises containing the substance of their teaching and doctrines were written the first book of the kind was composed by philolus circa 410 bc and we are told that plato contrived to buy a copy of it we may say that during the early part of the fifth century before christ the pythagoreans were considerably in advance of their contemporaries but by the end of that time their more prominent discoveries and doctrines had become known to the outside world and the centre of intellectual activity was transferred to athens though it is impossible to separate precisely the discoveries of pythagoras himself from those of his school of a later date we know from proclus that it was pythagoras who gave geometry that rigorous character of deduction which it still bears and made it the foundation of a liberal education and there is a good reason to believe that he was the first to arrange the leading propositions of the subject in a logical order it was also according to aristoxenus the glory of a school that raised the arithmetic above the needs of the merchants it was their boast that they sought knowledge and not wealth or in the language of one of their maxims a figure and a step forwards not a figure to gain three oboli pythagoras was primarily a moral reformer and practical philosopher but his system of morality and philosophy was built on a mathematical foundation in geometry he himself probably knew and taught the substance of what is contained in the first two books of euclid and was acquainted with a few other isolated theorems including some elementary propositions on irrational magnitudes while his successors added several of the propositions in the sixth and eleventh books of euclid but it is thought that many of his proofs were not rigorous and in particular that the converse of a theorem was frequently assumed without a proof what philosophical doctrines were based on these geometrical results is now only a matter of conjecture in the theory of numbers he was concerned with four different kinds of problems which dealt respectively with polygonal numbers ratio and proportion the factors of numbers and numbers in series but many of his arithmetical inquiries and in particular the questions on polygonal numbers and proportion were treated by geometrical methods knowing that measurement was essential to the accurate definition of form pythagoras thought that it was also to some extent the cause of form and he therefore taught that the foundation of the theory of the universe was to be found in the science of numbers he was confirmed in this opinion by discovering that the note sounded by a vibrating string depended other things being the same only on the length of the string and in particular that the lengths which gave a note its fifth and its octave were in the ratio one to two-thirds to one-half this may have been the reason why music occupied so prominent a position in the exercises of his school
he also believed that the distances of the heavenly bodies from the earth formed a musical progression hence the phrase the harmony of the spheres taking the science of numbers as the foundation of his philosophy he went on to attribute the properties to numbers and geometrical figures for example the cause of color was the number five the origin of fire was to be found in the pyramid a solid body was analogous to the tetrad which represented matter as composed of the four primary elements fire air earth water and so on the tetrad like the pentagram was a sacred symbol and the initiate's oath ran and i provide here a translation from the greek not provided by the book i swear by him that gave to our soul the tetractus which contains the fount and root of our eternal nature the philosophical views of pythagoras do not further concern us and i now proceed to discuss his work on mathematics in rather greater detail the pythagoreans began dividing the subjects with which they dealt into four divisions numbers absolute or arithmetic numbers applied or music magnitudes at rest or geometry and magnitudes in motion or astronomy this quadrivium was long considered as constituting the necessary and sufficient course of study for a liberal education here i confine myself to describing the pythagorean treatment of geometry and arithmetic first as to their geometry we are of course unable to reproduce the whole body of pythagorean teaching on this subject but we gather from the notes of proculus on euclid and from a few stray remarks in other writers that it included the following propositions most of which are on the geometry of areas one it commenced with a number of definitions which probably were rather statements connecting mathematical ideas with philosophy than explanations of the terms used one has been preserved in the definition of a point as unity having position two the sum of the angles of a triangle was shewn to be equal to two right angles and in the proof which has been preserved the results of the propositions euclid one thirteen and the first part of euclid one twenty nine are quoted the demonstration is substantially the same as that in euclid and it is most likely that the proofs there given of the two propositions last mentioned are also due to pythagoras himself three pythagoras certainly proved the properties of right-angled triangles which are given in euclid one forty seven and one forty eight we know that the proofs of these propositions which are found in euclid were of euclid's own invention and a good deal of curiosity has been excited to discover what was the demonstration which was originally offered by pythagoras of the first of these theorems it would seem most likely to have been one of the following alpha any square a b c d can be split up as in euclid two four into two squares b d and d k and two equal rectangles a k and c k that is equal to the square on f k the square on e k and four times the triangle a e f 
but if the points taken g on b c h on c d and e on d a so that b g c h and d e are each equal to a f it can be easily shewn that e f g h is a square and that the triangles a e f b f g c g h and d h e are equal and thus the square a b c d is also equal to the square on e f and four times the triangle a e f hence the square on e f is equal to the sum of the squares on f k and e k beta let a b c be a right angled triangle a being the right angle draw a d perpendicular to b c the triangles a b c and d b a are similar therefore b c to a b is as a b to b d and similarly b c to a c is equal to a c to d c hence a b squared plus a c squared equals b c multiplied by the quantity b d plus d c which equals b c squared this proof requires a knowledge of the results of euclid two two six four and six seventeen with all of which pythagoras was acquainted four pythagoras is also credited with the discovery of theorems euclid one forty four and one forty five with a giving a solution of the problem of euclid two fourteen it is said that on the discovery of the necessary construction for the problem last mentioned he sacrificed an ox but as a school had all things in common the liberality was less striking than it seems at first the pythagoreans of a later date were aware of the extension given in Euclid 6.25, and Dr. Allman thinks that Pythagoras himself was acquainted with it, but this must be regarded as doubtful. It will be noticed that Euclid 2.14 is a geometrical solution of the equation x squared equals ab. 5. Pythagoras shewed that the plane about a point could be completely filled by equilateral triangles, by squares or by regular hexagons results that must have been familiar wherever tiles of these shapes were in common use six the pythagoreans were said to have solved the quadrature of the circle they stated that the circle was the most beautiful of all plane figures seven they knew that there were five regular solids inscribable in a sphere which was itself they said the most beautiful of all solids eight from their phraseology and the science of numbers and from other occasional remarks it would seem that they were acquainted with the methods used in the second and fifth books of euclid and knew something about irrational magnitudes in particular there is reason to believe that pythagoras proved that the side and the diagonal of a square were incommensurable and that it was this discovery which led the greeks to banish the conceptions of number and measurement from their geometry a proof of this proposition which is not unlikely to be that due to pythagoras is given below see page sixty one next as to their theory of numbers 
I have already remarked that in this the Pythagoreans were chiefly concerned with one polygonal numbers, two the factors of numbers, three numbers which form a proportion, and four numbers in series. Pythagoras commenced his theory of arithmetic by dividing all numbers into even or odd, the odd numbers being termed gnomons. An odd number such as 2n plus 1 was regarded as the difference of two square numbers, that is n plus 1 quantity squared, and n squared, and the sum of the gnomons from 1 to 2n plus 1 was stated to be a square number vis-a-vis n plus 1 quantity squared, and its square root was termed a side. Products of two numbers were called a plane, and if a product had no exact root, it was termed an oblong. A product of three numbers was called a solid number, and if three numbers were equal, a cube. All of this has obvious reference to geometry, and the opinion was confirmed by Aristotle's remark that when a gnomon is put round a square, the figure remains a square, though it is increased in dimensions. Thus, in the annexed figure, which the gnomon AKC containing 11 small squares when put round the square AC containing 5 squared small squares, makes a square HL containing 6 squared small squares. The number 2n squared plus 2n plus 1 the number 2n squared plus 2n and the number 2n plus 1 possess special importance as representing the hypotenuse of two sides of a right-angled triangle. Cantor thinks that Pythagoras knew this fact before discovering the geometrical pr proposition Euclid 147. A more general expression for such numbers is m squared plus n squared 2m times n and m squared minus n squared. It will be noticed that the result obtained by Pythagoras can be deduced from these expressions by assuming m equals n plus 1. At a later time, Architas and Plato gave rules which are equivalent to taking n equals 1. Diophantus knew the general rule. After this preliminary discussion, the Pythagoreans proceeded to the four special problems already alluded to. Pythagoras was himself acquainted with the triangular numbers, but probably not with any of the other polygonal numbers. The latter were discussed by later members of the school. A triangular number represents the sum of a number of counters laid in a row on a plane, the bottom row containing n and each succeeding row one less. It is therefore equal to the sum of the series n plus n minus 1 plus n minus 2 plus dot 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 plus 2 plus 1. That is, to a half n multiplied by n plus 1. Thus the triangular number corresponding to 4 is 10. This is the explanation of the language of Pythagoras in the well-known passage in the Lucian, where the merchant asks Pythagoras what he can teach him. Pythagoras replies, I will teach you how to count. The merchant, I know that already. Pythagoras, how do you count? 
merchant one two three four pythagoras stop what you take to be four is ten a perfect triangle and our symbol as to the work of the pythagoreans on the factors of numbers we know very little they classified numbers by comparing them with the sum of their integral factors calling a number excessive perfect or defective according as it was greater than equal to or less than the sum of these factors these investigations led to no useful result the third class of problems which they considered dealt with the numbers which formed a proportion presumably these were discussed with the aid of geometry and is done in the fifth book of euclid lastly the pythagoreans were concerned with series of numbers in arithmetical geometrical harmonical and musical progressions the three progressions first mentioned are well known four integers are said to be in musical progression when they are in the ratio a to two a b over a plus b half of a plus b to b for example six eight nine and twelve are in musical progression after the death of pythagoras his teaching seems to have been carried on by epicharmus and hippasus and subsequently by philolus archippus and lysis about a century after the murder of pythagoras we find architas recognized as the head of the school architas Architas, circa 400 BC, was one of the most influential citizens of Tarentum and was made governor of the city no less than seven times. His influence among his contemporaries was very great, and he used it with Dionysus on one occasion to save the life of Plato. He was noted for the attention he paid to the comfort and education of his slaves and of children in the city. He was drowned in a shipwreck near Tarentum, and his body washed on shore, a fit punishment in the eyes of the more rigid Pythagoreans for his having departed from the lines of study laid down by their founder. Several of the leaders of the Athenian school were among his pupils and friends, and it is believed that much of their work was due to his inspiration. The Pythagoreans at first made no attempt to apply their knowledge to mechanics, but Architas is said to have treated it with the aid of geometry. He is alleged to have invented and worked out the theory of the pulley, and is credited with the construction of a flying bird and some other ingenious mechanical toys. He introduced various mechanical devices for constructing curves and solving problems. These were objected to by Plato, who thought that they destroyed the value of geometry as an intellectual exercise, and later Greek geometricians confined themselves to the use of two species of instruments, namely rulers and compasses. Architas was also interested in astronomy. He taught that the earth was a sphere rotating round its axis in twenty-four hours, and round which the heavenly bodies moved. Architas was one of the first to give a solution of the problem to duplicate a cube, that is, to find the side of a cube whose volume is double that of a given cube. This was one of the most famous problems of antiquity see below page 38 to 42 the construction given by architas is equivalent to the following on the diameter oa of the base of a right circular cylinder describe a semicircle whose plane is perpendicular to the base of the cylinder 
let the plane containing the semicircle rotate around the generator through o then the surface traced out by the semicircle will cut the cylinder in a tortuous curve the curve will be cut by a right cone whose axis is oa and semi-vertical axis is say sixty degrees in a point p such that the projection of op on the base of the cylinder will be to the radius of the cylinder in the ratio of the side of the required cube to that of the given cube the proof given by Archytas is of course geometrical it will be enough here to remark that in the course of it he shews himself acquainted with the results of the propositions euclid three eighteen three thirty five and eleven nineteen to shew analytically that the construction is correct take o a as the axis of x and the generator through o as axis of z then with the usual notation in polar coordinates and if a be the radius of the cylinder we have for the equation of the surface described by the semicircle r equals two a sine theta for that of the cylinder r e r sine theta equals two a cos phi and for that of the cone sine theta times cos phi equals one half these three surfaces cut in a point such that sine cubed theta equals one half and therefore if rho be the projection of op on the base of the cylinder then rho cubed equals r sine theta quantity cubed equals two a cubed hence the volume of the cube whose side is rho is twice that of a cube whose side is a i mention the problem and give the construction used by architects to illustrate how considerable was the knowledge of the pythagorean school at that time theodorus another pythagorean of about the same date as architects was theodorus of cyrene who is said to have proved geometrically that the numbers presented by root three root five root six root seven root eight root ten root eleven root twelve root thirteen root fourteen root fifteen and root seventeen are incommensurable with unity Theotetus was one of his pupils. Perhaps Timaeus of Locri and Bryzo of Herclea should be mentioned as other distinguished Pythagoreans of this time. Other Greek mathematical schools in 5th century BC. It would be a mistake to suppose that Miletus and Tarentum were the only places where in the 5th century Greeks were engaged in laying a scientific foundation for the study of mathematics these towns represented the centers of chief activity but there were few cities or colonies of any importance where lectures on philosophy and geometry were not given among these smaller schools i may mention those of chios elea and thrace the best-known philosopher of the school of chios was enipides who was born about 500 B.C. and died about 430 B.C. He devoted himself chiefly to astronomy, but had studied geometry in Egypt and is credited with the solution of two problems, namely, one, to draw a straight line from a given external point perpendicular to a given straight line, that's Euclid 112, and two, 
at a given point to construct an angle equal to a given angle, Euclid 123. Another important centre was Elea in Italy. This was founded in Sicily by Xenophanes. He was followed by Parmenides, Zeno, and Melissus. The members of the Eleatic school were famous for the difficulties they raised in connection with the questions that required the use of infinite series, such, for example, as the well-known paradox of Achilles and the tortoise, enunciated by Zeno, one of the most prominent members, who was born in 495 BC and was executed at Elea in 435 BC in consequence of some conspiracy against the state. He was a pupil of Parmenides, with whom he visited in Athens circa 455 to 450 BC. Zeno argued that if Achilles ran ten times as fast as a tortoise, yet if the tortoise had, say, one thousand yards start, it could never be overtaken. For when Achilles had gone the one thousand yards, the tortoise would still be one hundred yards in front of him but by the time he had covered these one hundred yards it would still be ten yards in front of him, and so on forever. Thus Achilles would get nearer and nearer to the tortoise, but never overtake it. The fallacy is usually explained by the argument that the time required to overtake the tortoise can be divided into an infinite number of parts, as stated in the question, but these get smaller and smaller in geometrical progression and the sum of them all is a finite time. After the lapse of that time, Achilles would be in front of the tortoise. Probably Zeno would have replied that this argument rests on the assumption that space is infinitely divisible, which is the question under discussion. He himself asserted that magnitudes were not infinitely divisible. These paradoxes made the Greeks look with suspicion on the use of infinite series and ultimately led to the invention of the method of exhaustions. The atomistic school, having its headquarters in Thrace, was another important center. This was founded by Leucippus, who was a pupil of Zeno. He was succeeded by Democritus and Epicurus. Its most famous mathematician was Democritus, born in Abdera in 460 BC, and is said to have died in 370 BC, who, besides his philosophical works, wrote on plain and solid geometry, incommensurable lines, perspective, and numbers. These works are all lost. But through several distinguished individual philosophers may be mentioned who, during the 5th century, lectured at different cities. They mostly seem to have drawn their inspiration from Tarentum, and towards the end of the century to have looked to Athens as the intellectual capital of the Greek world. And it is to the Athenian schools that we owe the next great advance in mathematics. End of chapter 2